0: Welcome to episode forty-six of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy, and with me, as always,
1: it's Malach. Did you forget my name? No, <laughs> I was going for a dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> I like your dramatic pause. Yeah, great. I, want to, I want to see some more dramatic pauses in this, if if possible. Okay, horses or <laughs> pauses? Horses. <laughs> um, who have we got? So, well, it's episode forty-six. We're four or fifty. Which is pretty exciting. Yeah, we need to knock that out by the end of the year, just yeah. to round things out. Yep. So on this episode, we've got Christopher Panzetta, uh, the Managing Director of Co-Founder of S1T2. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so I first came into, your, into contact with some of your work uh, in Canberra Centre, and you had those massive lights up on the, on the wall, oh, well, which a- you could press. And like, you would not believe how hard it was to get my children away from that but that was a really exciting thing because so basically for anyone who who never saw it you could basically touch the lights and they would change color and there was like five or six different colors but there was massive a like there was loads and loads of lights and it was a really interesting to see how many people were like writing messages to each other yeah and like really like trying to own a section and like and like trying to put a put a message up or or a picture or something how did that come about
2: that's really cool. I didn't actually think many people went to camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those projects you do that you think no one will ever see. Um, but that was actually a working um, work a job we did through Traffic, which is an experiential or like a you know a marketing agency um, out of St. Leonard's. But um, there they've got uh, QIC who's the client there. Um, but the coolest thing about that project was its simplicity, um, and I think that thing I love most about it was like okay. You're just going to create a wall where people just can c- express themselves in a really different way. What's hilarious about it, though, is then it all gets reverse engineered and like, oh, no, someone can draw a dick all over this. <laughs> 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 Fuck or whatever it is. And they're like, so can you design it so that can't happen? So that's why this, oh, it's kind of wow. asymmetrical a little bit. Um but you can still definitely do it uh, if, you, if you've
0: got- Were there it, some creative people that got through that firewall and did <laughs> <Yeah>. some phallic <laughs> images? Yeah. Well, we,
2: we, was, we were the first ones to break it. So oh, right. yeah, like, <laughs> anyone watching that first night was showing the way. But I was cool. Like, I love- The thing I love about that project is it's so dumb and simple. Like, it's 1,200 lights. They're just lights that can change color when you touch them. And it's so much fun because of that. Yeah. Mm. Um, sometimes with this stuff you just so sort of think it through way too much but yeah simple is best That's yeah?
1: really nice and simple that
0: sounds cool so what, what was what's the brief in a situation like that make something cool here's the, here's the budget buy some lights or like
2: no it's literally <laughs> like yeah it's pretty closer to that like so really? <laughs> a lot of the stuff is like yeah we want some cool shit or like so in that scenario it was perfect um, normally there'd be a store like they're like a mire or something like that but they're like oh I've got this space is empty for a year so good on like QIC, Canberra Center, um, for doing this. We actually did another project for them down in Melbourne, Ringwood, where we have Mm. 50 meters of lights um, across. And that's like you run across it. So it's like an infinite um, galaxy room. So there's an array of lights stringing down, then mirrors in front of it so it looks like it goes on forever. And then as you walk Mm. past it or drive past it at night, they kind of all change with your movement. Um, So these guys are really like forward thinking in kind of art, in public space like we've got this boring mural what can we do with it sorry boring not boring mural no mural is boring but like (laughs) a wall what can you do with it and so that's literally the brief come up with some cool stuff that people would like to play with or interact with um and yeah they're the best kind of briefs really because you just get to go to town with them so yeah right
1: cool so i want to talk more about um s1t2 so where did the name come from
2: yeah the name is very interesting the name came from a public liability Piece of paper that I don't even know who came up with the name to right. be honest. So um, the name is Story First, Technology Second Now, S1T2. But back at university when we started, it was Scene One, Take Two. Oh, and I lied, yeah. I do know the story behind this. So um, Aaron, who was one of the original guys amongst it, was like, there was a production society at university called Scene One. And then that died, like, in the 70s or something like that. And we found that out. And he said, oh, it'd be good to do homage to that and say, you know, we're take two of scene one. Right. So, like, at uni when you're like, oh, that's an awesome idea. And then we kind of inherited that. And I hated that name, like, for a long time. Um, Because, I mean, what does it say? Like, what does it do? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really mean much. But at the time it did. Because we started S1T2 as a film production society at university because – we were at uni, but all we really wanted to do was make films and there's like it's more theory and um, kind of ideas at uni and how to think, but no real actual practical production. So I kind of proceeded to go away and fail like all my subjects making short films with these guys, <laughs> um, which was sick. And um, yeah, we got like 300 members at one point, which was great. And then at the end of uni, I kind of was like, well, I failed a whole bunch of stuff. I don't think anyone's gonna wanna hire me. This was fun, let's just try and keep doing that. And that's when it was still so it was scene one, take two. That's fine for a society. We're moving into the world. suddenly we looked, there's eight original members, and we're like, how the hell do you feed eight people like yeah. when you need to make money? Like, what do you do? And this was preceded these really long meetings in our basements of each week someone would leave to go in their own way, and there was crying and hugging, and like people <laughs> no. went to afters and people went overseas and did the travel overseas thing. And then um, interestingly, this guy turned up who was in my class at uni who I didn't like very much, and his two mates, and he was a developer, um, like a web developer and a designer, like a web designer. And I was like, we make films, man. What are like, what's this guy doing here? And so everyone, I was the only one that had voted against him joining up. Everyone else was like, yeah, I want you in. And then thankfully, everyone else has left, except for me and him, which is Tash, my business partner. He really showed me through his thinking and things like that, that yeah, okay, what did I love about films and things like that, which was, you know, the stories they told. And then that's what I love about the name today. It was, it was literally this long process of, we didn't want to change the name because we wanted to pay homage to where we'd come from. Mm. Like we love these, all these guys are still really close mates. We still work with them when we can. So we're like, we don't want to throw that away. So we stuck with Scene 1, Take 2 for like probably the first three years. And the story of how we've grown as a company has really been this like process of, do what you like, and then realize why you're doing it or what for, and then reverse engineering for that. And so change. And I, but I was always stuck with this name. It was like this rock on my thing. And <laughs> we'd go into meetings, and then Tash would say stuff like, "Oh, you know, it's our name sucks because it sounds like we take two takes to get something done." Or da da. And it wasn't what we were doing anymore. Like we'd changed. We were working in embedded systems and doing this crazy stuff. And we had this film like name like sounded like clipart. Um
0: so <laughs> it reminds me of like the first hotmail address that yeah, you set exactly. up. And it's kind of like mine was Eskimo with a five instead of an S. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's
2: exactly it's like, so yeah, this the name change was a process of outgrowing that. And yeah, we we talked about it. We're like we could change it to like some, you know, abstract name that didn't really mean anything. But we loved the S1. We didn't we wanted to pay homage to the start, and it took me like literally a year um or six months. And then I just remember it. I was sitting in my um, my living room and I was like, that eureka moment, like, I've got it. Like, this is this <laughs> is it. I believe in this so much, And like, it's actually a burden today in a new way. Before it was this burden because I didn't like it. But today it's a burden to live up to the name, right. um, which is really interesting because it sounds, you know, it might sound disingenuous because how we came around it, but like, it's really been a core foundation and why I love it the name, even though it's long and it's hard to design. Our logo's an error from before. And there's all this stuff with our company that you know is an evolving beast, but I think that really speaks true. And it is hard to live up to that because particularly in what we do, it's so easy to just find a new piece of tech and that everyone's excited, really yeah. excited about it. Clients are always excited about it. And you just use that because it's a cool, shiny piece of toy. <laughs> um, but what we've learned as well over time is that you know, you're doing yourself a disservice if you do that because the client will come out unhappy Da, da, da. but the hard why it's a burden to live up to because it's so hard to tell man it's hard to tell a story in any fashion like even great storytellers through vocals is hard but working with a new medium where there's like no conventions and you're inventing everything all the time like trying to actually like, you know can you tell a story um through a, a wall and stuff like that so that's where it's interesting like the wall's a great uh piece of interactive um community like art or Fun, which is what we love to do. But I guess the larger arc, if I had something to do in you know twenty years, or I'd contributed something, would be looking at this space where between interactivity and story, and you know how you can combine those two. So the projects we do on our own, um, into client work, are always trying to follow, follow that thread um, along that kind of idea of interactive story and how you can communicate through technology in a story format. Um, so yeah, I like. That's why I really like the name. It keeps us honest. Because um, uh, we had an animator once, and he's like, he's literally like, "So where's the story?" And you're like, "Yeah, man, that's that, that hurts <laughs> <So> that's that's <laughs> deep." That's deep. So um, we've been like the last two years. Um, you know, it's been really about living up to that name. Which is
0: cool. Yeah,
1: it's a working process. Obviously, well, yeah, it's like a brief to yourself a, a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I guess, I mean, we we were lucky enough just to just go and try out some of your new stuff that you're working on, um, particularly kept. Uh, which you're doing for PAX conference. Yeah, I needed help. Yeah, well that was your first time.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize it first was first time puzzle. in VR. So this is going to be difficult. We're going to explain a VR experience. Yeah, that's why it's good you guys format. even
2: had it.
1: Because imagine me just trying to
2: explain it to you when you never know. <laughs> no, no, no. It.
0: I'll make a fool of myself on this show. Don't worry about it. So I tried VR for the very first time. Thank you for inviting us. And I was totally lost. So it's like a puzzle thing. It reminded me of Zelda so much. There was even like a sound that was heaps like Zelda. Or, like or Journey or for, um, Yeah, it could be Journey yeah. or Mist and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, yeah. Reminded me of that a bit. Like that would be a really cool kind of point. Anyway, mm. but uh, yeah, I needed a little bit of help kind of connecting connecting the things. It was great watching you kind of fumble together. around there. It's confused, man. Yeah. Your the guiding light was Matt wouldn't shut up, which is <laughs> very similar to like episodes of the show. So I always knew exactly where I was because I knew Matt
1: was to the to the left. So that's really there. interesting. So that whole immersion thing is almost impossible in the kind of way it's set up now, isn't it? In in the sense that you're because not everyone has glasses, yeah? Mm. So it's normally at an uh, exhibition or a convention or something like that, and you're always kind of aware of what's going on around you, even if you've got headphones on. And I guess uh, you could have, like, noise cancelling as yeah. well. Have
2: you- well, the ones you had, we just actually got them like yesterday, and they're like m- minus twenty-five dB noise cancer. so that's as good as you can get. Yeah, oh, no, even they, even were re- they were they get- were
0: really good. I mean, Matt could talk underwater. That's the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the headphones. No yeah. piece of tech is going to drown that out. Um, but yeah, no, I couldn't couldn't hear very much. But yeah, he was he was right there. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but it's
2: funny, like, yeah, it's because you're exactly right, right? You're aware that people are watching you, so you and you can see it when people are playing it like so they want to just rush through things because they're like i'm not allowed to spend too much time here. or they yeah. worry that you're waiting on them mm. um, and that's the harder thing like particularly the experience we're trying to create is um you know exactly like guys even the fact you even mentioned journey is like amazing because that is probably i put it on the shelf with like in terms of storytelling through a medium through the affordance of that medium like the mechanics itself yeah. journey's great like you can spend time there you can reflect it's not a game um, and that's what like this is in immersive experiences you know you're trying to create these environments where you can reflect um, I mean the whole ex- the whole larger thing with Kept is actually going to be a story about a funeral which is like totally kind of
0: weird Yeah, there <laughs> was a the corpse at the beginning
2: yeah well that was oh, we took it to China actually <laughs> um, Jack just got back um, who's head of our real time stuff and um, we literally took it on kind of tour of China because um, we're trying to get funding and things like that and the first thing we're like yeah you gotta get rid of that body like cultural issues, data, localization and really the body was on like what you tried is more of a technical demo like we're just trying things so the body was kind of this over the head way of saying oh this is you know a spiritual thing about a funeral so we'll look at getting rid of that definitely Um, but yeah it's you want people to be able to spend time in these spaces that's a great thing about immersion but you're right the current format that they roll out is like it doesn't really um give you that opportunity as much
1: so does that yeah. annoy you the fact that like everyone hasn't got vr glasses at home that they can that your stuff that you're rolling out is only seen by a certain group of people
2: no i love it like, really it's so much better because like, <laughs>
1: we're,
2: we're crap everyone's crap like you have no idea you haven't earned the right right yeah. to um everyone have if everyone had a headset today everyone would throw up no one would ever buy a headset again right. VR would be the worst thing in the world like um, and this is the problem right like VR particularly because it's such a different way to experience uh, a medium you can you actually have to be really cautious of no, not to give someone a bad VR experience their first time because they will never use it again yeah. they were like that was terrible I do not want to throw up and you've just got this huge aversion to it so you do have to be careful about that but I think with con- as content creators and the medium you have to learn you have to earn the right um, of how to tell a story in that medium, like there is no conventions yet in VR. Like, so a film, I could, if we're going to do it, uh, if you're going to murder someone or something like that, right? You go long shot, um, mm. you know, extreme close up, da da da. In VR, there's no fourth wall or anything like that. Mm. You're there, and you've only got one camera angle to work with, which is your eyes. So it's like, how do you even what do you do with that? How do you progress? Like the experience you guys had, you're in a four by four meter space, but you want to traverse years in time or like two kilometers. You know, how do you? How do you do that? Yeah, yeah. So, it's all these rules we have to figure out. And the best thing about no one having it is we can stuff up so many times, <laughs> like, and it won't really matter yet. Um, so, I love it because, uh, like, and this was coming out of uni, right? You want to tell, make films, and I'd sit there in some films and pick holes in the plot and be like, yeah, I can do that. And then you'd sit, you'd sit in some and you're like, wow, like, there's no, I wouldn't even be able to comprehend how to do this any better. Yeah, And it's just, it is a great feeling to be at the start of something like that and this is why we love working with new mediums and figuring out you know what works what doesn't and you're actually contributing to the community and there's a much more um, voracious dialogue going on about these things because everyone's excited everyone knows the potential like you try it you guys are like whoa this is cool so you know there's Mm. something cool there Mm. but like how do you juice that how do you maximize it how do you design the experience it was interesting
1: Mm. about that as well because I think Flynn was doing, it and he hadn't noticed something you're supposed to notice, mm. and and you were sort of saying, oh, you can sort of, you can write all this and you can plan it, but it's still up to the person to kind of, kind of realise that something's happening. How do you? I mean, is that just constant testing?
2: definitely testing but you do when you ever design anything right you can't test it indefinitely you yeah. have to come out there and say something so it's just a way of thinking like rather than you're always thinking what does the interacted do or what does my audience do it's like traditional mediums you're saying what do they see and what do they feel from yeah. what they see like it's a reactive relationship but you always have to think of what do they do and what are they want in doing that what are they going to feel or look at next so we could do a better like the kept journey is like oh. In between client projects, a three month thing. So it's, you know, it's getting like the guys have done a phenomenal job um, of what they've done. But yeah, you do have to have an appreciation for that experienced designer, interactive design to design that journey. But because it's so new, you're always learning things. um, and you can't assume that what you want to do is what someone else does. Yeah. But the thing with interactive media, which is really interesting, is with uh, linear media or traditional media right we can make assumptions that like this is our grand audience because it's a one way conversation but it's or it's not even a conversation you're just speaking at people but yeah. when you're in an interactive environment it's a conversation with one person so your your experience has to be intelligent like it has to listen to what the person's doing and respond back and the more nuanced that dialogue can become the more fun you have so that wall you loved was because you touch it and it immediately changes yeah. color and it's really simple right these really hard complicated vr experience or whatever it is the more simplistic that can get so it's just intuitive to you um that's going to be a more pleasing experience for everyone so yeah it's it's cool it's fun <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it's definitely cool so we i met you for the first time a couple of weeks ago uh, when we went to an Adobe lunch, which was about all heading over to Max because we're heading over to Max and you're heading over to Max. Oh, you guys are going too. Yeah. Sweet ass. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But yeah. you've been to Max before, so I guess I wanted to know what Max is all about. Well, can we just define
0: what Max is? Because yeah. it sounds like we're going to some dude's house in Surrey <laughs> Hills. Um, so Max, Max, yes. Max is in <laughs> San Diego, so it's a conference that Adobe's putting on. So it's Adobe Max. I'm assuming there's going to be at
1: least one Max there. One Max, and Max the person. Yeah, Yeah, potentially. it will be one. yeah. It'll be me, because everyone always calls me Max. It's how I say my name (laughs) when when they ask my name. So, yeah, so what was it like? It was cool, man. Like, you you know when
2: we're over here and you always see, like, oh, this Facebook conference or, like, they're launching the iPhone and it's, like, this massive, like, almost religious ceremony where everyone's like, oh. Like, (laughs) that was what I was expecting from Adobe Max. And I was like, it was awesome to be going and, like, I knew I was – the experience was going to be amazing, but I, I was kind of like I just felt like I was going to get preached to um, a lot when I got there. But it totally right. wasn't that. Like it was definitely massive, like scale that. <laughs> I just know, like
1: the idea that you went over there and you were like not using Adobe and you came back out and you were like using Adobe. It's like <laughs> what happened to wearing the yeah. shirt, shirt and hat. And yeah, hang. exactly. I mean, like
2: <laughs> bastards. But um, yeah, it's is what what I was surprised at with Max was it actually. Um, I felt they were more true to themselves that they have been historically as well, like to their roots. Right. So they've got this one thing at Adobe Max called Sneaks, which is where basically where all they get all their developers and everything up on stage who are showing the new tools of, um, that Adobe is going to release. But it's live demos that still aren't really working. And the guys who are building cool. them themselves present them and they'll have like a comedian. So they'll have... Um, oh God, I'm going to ruin my names. Parks and Recreation, Ron...
0: Ron Burgundy. Ron, no, no, Ron. Um,
2: Ron Swanson. Swanson. Yeah. So whoever his real life name is. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was he was running <laughs> Sneak. So it was awesome. But um, so they were showing that through, and then basically all the speakers they get up aren't like these Adobe users. So they had um. It's Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. So they had Baz Luhrmann up there yeah. last time. So it's more about a celebration of creativity, which I really liked. Um. So, yeah, like, and one of the best talks I went to there was all about, like, Generation Z and, you know, how, you know, they think and how we should be designing for play and things like that. Yep. So, it was really about Adobe saying that, hey, we facilitate creativity. We're actually changing to try and facilitate all these new forms of creativity as well. But, yeah, there's definitely, like, these are all the new features coming out, which is, like, you know, fair enough and pretty cool features. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Have you got anyone you're looking forward to seeing this time? Uh, Quentin Tarantino is going to be there yeah. which is like sick I was like yeah it's Amazing. funny
2: you guys had Matt Jackson on the show and um, he asked Baz like he asked Baz this like amazingly awkward Matt, only Matt Jackson would ask questions it was which, cool
1: on tape as well it was yeah, like, yeah exactly
2: so I'm really what I'm most looking forward to is like Seen Matt ask Quentin Tarantino a similar oh. question.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about just following Matt around. Yeah, and just seeing what and happens. Just seeing what he gets up to. Yeah. Because he probably gets up to all sorts of shit that he
1: never told anybody as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we can record it live. Yeah. So, rolling back to you and to S1T2, story is obviously massive to you. You've got that in your studio, you've got that massive mural, which is by Joe Lee. And it's about stories, yeah. Can you can you explain that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so um, this was like, a, so we walked, we moved into a new place. We lived um, our original office was like in Bondi, which was probably about not much bigger than this room. Um, which, I don't know, it's
1: what, like six by six or something? Yeah. Anyway, it looked like our college... For, for the listeners at home, it's very small. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and it looked like a college dorm. We were told by our client, look, hey, man, if, if I'd come to your office, I would not have hired you because like I wouldn't right. have thought you could get the job. So then we were like, damn, yeah, we better move. <laughs> anyway, it was a great opportunity um, to kind of own the space and design it. And I was like, there's this, this massive clear wall. So we're like, yes, let's do something like, to create it. So... Uh, I met Julie Lee um, through the drawing book. And w- the basically brief to her was like, look, there is this inherent relationship between um, story and technology. And so story is the most ubiquitous form of communication. It is literally the only thing that um, can travel across cultures and time. Everyone has a grammar of story. Um, but we're interested in tech and da-da-da. And then technology has a, this um, one-to-one relationship with story as well. So what we did was... And we, we've got this
1: name that we can't get rid yeah, of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've got to
2: justify all this stuff and like build this narrative so when I go on a podcast, I can sound really smart and stuff. But um, anyway, Jolie came up with like, this idea of, okay, how do we marriage those two lines? So Jolie's come up with this six islands of story. And so each island represents a new um, technology of story. And then what inhibits each island is the character's that made that medium famous or that story famous. And what's so we've got like, you know, oral tradition, which is your Homeric stuff. Then you've got literature, which is like Peter Pan or Harry Potter. Um, you've got motion, which is film and animation. Then you've got kind of this games interactivity. And then we've got this Six Island, which is like where we like to say we're going, which we have no idea what it is and it's empty. What I love about it and why it's just a great metaphor for us because everyone, we get this question all the time like, oh, is VR going to take over film? Or da da da. And you're like, no way. Like, we use we haven't stopped using any form of those storytelling mediums at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and each medium has reinvented the stories of the last using those affordances. Basically, all we try and do at S1G2 is like, we'll look at new areas of technology or like something new coming out and going, okay, does this have an affordance to tell a story? And yes, if it, if we think it does, then okay, how do you tell a story through that affordance? And I think that mural is really just good. Something you can point to and go, like okay. this is what it's about. Plus, yeah. it looks awesome. Like yeah, truly that's is amazing. amazing like person. yeah, yeah. I would love to like if we we're ever balling, I would love to get her like to go visit mm-hmm. and just double the amount of content on there as well the original violence yeah well yeah, the original, the, I- yeah, well, yeah. It, the original idea was to make it like augmented reality so the guys would move but i mean ah. shit who's got time for that <laughs> so like, yeah, we'll, maybe one day you
1: hire yourself one day yeah, yeah. that would be sick yeah. <laughs> what how does the studio work do you kind of work on big projects and then kind of work on your own stuff
2: so yeah definitely like there's Moments where guys will be in between jobs. And so we have things that like our website is a perfect example of something that gets touched up a little bit and right. then drops off the radar.
0: It's okay, that's everybody's website. Yeah, exactly. So like,
2: <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that feeling, right? Um, so we do probably what the guys, like what the team does is well i I am personally proud of them for what they punch out for how many there are, like the amount of work they have to punch out a year how how many is there so there's uh well, there's probably just fifteen now, um we've got um yeah, so it's yeah fifteen at the moment um and yeah, like they were we're always working on something, and the problem we have is that they're tied amongst other projects which most people are mm. uh, but the difficult thing is is for them, and I feel for them is like you know okay, yes, you've got one project which might be in real time development, and then you're getting pulled to this other project, which is a website, which then you're getting pulled to this other project, which might be a video or three sixty animation, so they're getting pulled across a lot of different things, and then there's no project managers or anything like that, so you have to manage yourself so quite proud of what those guys managed to get done Mm. um, which is cool but yeah they're always working on something like you got to pay the bills (laughs) so yeah
1: because Flynn was asking before like you know how yeah how how do you pay the bills so you obviously do websites and what other stuff do you do
2: so part of the cool thing about like discovering yourself and da 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 and all this like the name and the justification is it actually gives us reason rhyme and reason to say this is what we don't do anymore right because when we started we were like man there's so many good like there's so much talent. we came from uni man like yeah. we weren't artists ourselves like no one's gonna use us like da, da, da. so we just did stuff to pay for s1t2 to, to get it and so what that turned out being was like digital signage systems at universities yeah. and we'll go all right we'll sell the hardware and then we'll get to do the content on that which will train us up to help pay and get money to pay for S1T2. And that's largely what happened. And then gave us all this experience in the hardware and stuff like that. So we've tied it down largely now to three kind of buckets. Um, so you've got like web de- like web design and development. Uh, you've got real-time design and kind of development. And then you've got embedded systems, uh, design and development. So embedded systems are like your wall, like your interactive Um, wall stuff we do at Vivid like interactive sculptures um, physical digital environments real time stuff like games or virtual reality or augmented reality and then webs like uh, yeah websites and things like that so we'll definitely have work we do for clients like we've got um, some superannuation clients and a lot of our clients are like mortgage brokers as well and then you've got the really like you know cool clients where you get to go Um, You know, do kind of whatever you want um, type of thing. So everyone's got their bread and butter stuff. Web's great for that. Like, Web gives you this excuse to have, like, really hone UX and front-end designers and things like that um, on those projects and then use those skills when you want to do something a bit more abstract or experimental. But, yeah, like, most of our – we propagate this idea that we're always doing cool shit. But, like, yeah, a lot of the time you're not (laughs) – always you're definitely not always doing cool you're doing the corporate video if you have to and you're doing
1: but even I mean some of your clients would be fairly corporate I would say I mean you've worked for the world bank for instance but the stuff that you've managed to do with them is seems really experimental so I guess if I had to like you worked with hgf and uh, there was a, I'm gonna try and remember this and you correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong but basically Sydney Swans and you gave everyone all the supporters um, like a wristband which monitored their heartbeat and then as things happened on on the field uh, the crowd would get more energized and that would show up in a kind of imagery on on the big screen um, like that just sounds like an, an amazing kind of experimental kind of thing working with HDF, which I imagine like that's that's just really great that you could have managed to get that to Happen,
2: yeah, it's like I guess when you stop and think about it, I guess it is like a lot of the time you're pitching these things and they're like, Oh, we love it, but we just don't. And for me, it just comes down to trust, yeah. Like the only reason we can do that stuff for corporate clients is because you've done it for corporate clients before, and then they're like, Okay, we trust you not to screw this up, or like you can point to this and say, Yes, you have done it. And that's the heart, that's why we have to experiment ourselves because a lot of the times they're not going to say let's do something unless you can prove you've done it or point to someone Mm -hmm. else who's done it Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it comes down to trust and I think inherently most brands want to do this stuff like last year and the year before the brief was always like we want a world first or we want something new right. or never been done before or Australian the, or da, da,
0: da. the marketing like, manager wanted to be famous
2: yeah <laughs> it's like I wanted yeah that's it like, they wanted, wanted the, to,
0: they wanted their next job
2: that's it so <laughs> um, that's where you get the excuse to play in that area and then you're yeah, like yeah, okay. but then it becomes a conversation of okay this is what a world first is gonna cost and that's what you have to do <laughs> it's and like, like whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa 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 yeah they're like step back how about world back. seventh yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> or it's like how about a world yeah. first idea on a like, itty bitty scale like yeah, yeah like Two People had that world first
0: experience, but um, <laughs> depends how you capture it, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it is cool that people are thinking um, that way. So, HDF was a great idea, like, they were basically originally what the plan was is there's a lot about biometric data and things, right? Like, yeah. okay, we're getting data from players and things like that. Um, how do we, you know, what about fans and things? So, people are thinking about you know, actually evolving tech space and how we can use that in creative applications. So, that was a great example of it, like, okay. You watch the game, you sit there sweating yourself out, like, <laughs> da da da. Like, that's got to mean something, right? How do you, and brands always like sports brands, like, how do we capture that passion of the fans and Australian culture? So, this was literally a way to go, okay, let's measure that and then let's aggregate it across the whole crowd and then let's show that you know, in a visual format, I mean, yeah. um, you know, how they're feeling throughout the game.
1: I, I just feel sorry for the other team, like the fans of the other team go like, where's where's our wristband? Yeah.
2: Well, it's <laughs> hilarious because like, yeah, I think they would have ended up getting them themselves. So. And there was these guys, I'd see photos coming back of like people wearing two wristbands. I'm like, so wait, what? What's, uh, how's that even work? So yeah, But it was a cool, like, I'm really glad that, brands are playing in that space cuz more and more will they get comfortable with it and then you're going to see you see more creative like applications and stuff like that. Yeah. So for us it's not like it's rocket science. A lot of the time you're just taking bits and pieces and like combobulating them together. Um and you know more and more people will be doing that, I'm I sure. I love that word. Combobulating. Yeah. <laughs> Sick,
0: word. Sick word. That's awesome. <laughs> I will, wanted to kind of talk about this <laughs> the way that you seem to get these projects is like how you're talking about your name and then you kind of post-rationalize the meaning behind it, <laughs> yeah. and then you've created the, the, all right, this is our guiding light, guys, yeah. all right? It's up there on the board and that's what we're going for. Super cool, I love it. So we will call it post-rationalization in a-, in a as a term. Graphic yeah. design yeah, cool. kind of context. That's what we tell our students not to do. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Although
1: we all do it. So yeah. what you say, Although we all do it, yeah, obviously.
0: But your briefs are pretty similar to that kind of format as well, right? Like it's kind of like, hey, um, I want a big thing or I want a world first. So how, how does your process go? Are you trying to make it as simple as, as possible? Are you trying to, you're obviously not testing everything completely because you're testing offsite, but when a client comes to you and says, like if a client comes to you tomorrow and says, all right, this is the budget is big thing. I trust that you can do it. What do you do? Go. Well, no that, pressure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the best thing about like that whole post-rationalization process. Like once that was over, that's where it was. It's actually amazing if you track our business performance on the boring metrics or da da da. It's like that's when we started to actually make headway because right. that's kind of like the thing that, the piece that needed to go in place to figure the rest out. So now it is, like it's an easy way to say okay with HCF. You can actually um, collaborate with the other agency that's working out their messaging and things like that and actually integrate with that larger campaign. Because you go, what is the message you're trying to say? Like, mm. all right, that people need to be active or that, you know, da da da, what is. And then, so that's what your guiding light is. So it's not just like throw a dart and what's a new, and then post rationalize something. Don't get me wrong, yeah, like like that definitely happens. On, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it always starts off like, you know, what are we trying to say here? And then, you know, okay, what technology or what can we use that will say that best and go from that? So, like, example, we did a virtual reality application for Ford Motors. Their brief was like, all right, we're releasing a new uh, range of uh, automated cars and that use computer vision. So, you're like, all right, so the message you need to get across is that computer vision is valuable. Like, and so how do you make that? how do you tell that story that computer vision is better than your own? Like, you know, there's all these stories of Tesla, like crashing and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, what do you do? So, well, okay, Yeah, great. who
0: pays for this insurance? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't have opened that can of worms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah sorry, continue, please.
2: Um, so then you're like, all right, well then just take away someone, make someone rely on computer vision. And virtual reality is a great space to actually enact that through the affordance of immersion and mechanics. So the experience that we worked with, um, imagination out of shanghai was with you're on an ice sheet um and then you basically you're kind of exploring arctic ice sheets you might be doing global warming who knows uh, you know a, you hear a blizzard's about to come on its way so you've got to drive out there as quick as you can but the problem is you don't have your keys so you've got to find basically the experience is you trying to find your keys in the snow <laughs> but as you find your as you're looking and walking around trying to find your keys like these ice sheets will actually melt and collapse into caverns around you so you can't if you walk over the cavern you'll fall down when you find the keys it's kind of like the blizzards come it's totally dark the only way to get back is to actually use your like LIDAR computer vision to scan x-ray your way back across all these crevasses. So people are actually using computer vision to navigate back ah. to safely. So it's like, okay, that's our message through a mechanic, through the technology. So that's as much as possible the way we try and go about it. But you're right. Like if the client doesn't know what they want to say, then you've got a big problem because like, what are you supposed, to, you've got to work out what they want to say first and then a new way to say it. Yeah. And I don't think like, I'd, I just don't think this is where we work great with other agencies because we love working with clients longer term, um, if it's possible, but we work well with other agencies in that you know, they can spend this time with what's the brand message and things like that. Yep. And then you get a really succinct brief to us and then say, okay, then it becomes a, how do we tell this story? through a new medium and using the affordance of that medium to do it so action uh, rather than having to tell someone when they get out like oh this was what computer vision was about right yeah. Yeah,
0: so. so you do end up you, you clearly do end up with some sort of brief some sort of direction it just sometimes starts with what can we do and it's more of a negotiating with the client workshopping with another agency maybe their strategic team or something like that and try to drive home that messaging okay yeah, cool definitely. so it's not Magic. Okay, good. Yeah. it's good to know. It is magic. It is magic? It is magic. I imagine the agencies that you're working with are often advertising agencies and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? And Uh, how do you find working with them? Sorry, Matt, I was jumping on your hmm. question there.
2: Um, Yeah, it's like, it can be a good and bad relationship, like, anyone. Oh, I'm sure it can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) um, Tell us the good
0: ones, I guess. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Just so we can keep it in. The good ones, uh, like, it's just... In my own, like in our studio, right? Like I, I have, I will trust a developer if he says something. I won't tell him how to do his job specifically, right? Because I know I trust him in his position or her in her position to say, you know, this is good, this is bad, this is why this has to be this way. Yeah, it is hard from a creative perspective, or I think how creative has worked with agencies um, in the past in terms of where the rules are very understood. Yep. Um, if it's a film, you know, or whatever, it's a TVC, things have been done a thousand times. Um, they f- Clients may feel like they can, you know, get their fingers in and change the nitty gritty yep. and it won't really have a longer repercussion. So I think it's just the difficult relationships are when there's not that respect um, for you, what you're trying to achieve. And they try and get involved because they may have the best intentions and in trying to craft things but they can't have an appreciation of how that affects things down the line um, from an actual like you know creating these um, interactive um, applications or whatever they are so yeah it's just it's always a trust thing
1: and is that just because of just the understanding of this technology is still barely limited yeah exactly like exa- and it's getting so much better like right.
2: some of the people who are working agency side are coming out with amazing ideas and you're just mm. like whoa like this is sweet we get because you want to do the good work you yeah. don't want to waste like you're up till 3 a.m da, 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 you're burning this stuff and you don't want to turn out crap work so when an agency comes to you with like the idea that's ready to go like you're like wow that's such a rare thing but awesome like this is good because you can make bring that to life Mm. Um, so that's the good um, that is changing I think it's getting it's getting better Mm. Um,
0: yeah I'd imagine if I was working for an agency and it's like yeah cool we're going to work with this VR company we're going to do this big thing we've got this this budget whatever it is I'd be like cool man that's that's awesome that sounds like so much fun like it sounds like something that you want to be a part of
2: and that's the thing there's so much to offer right like Mm. um, there's so many things that we've had to like you know we're trying to design things and build things that are always new and changing but there's a whole craft and appreciation for design and aesthetics and things like that and the crea- creative messaging and succinctness and simplicity that there's so much of so we actually learn a lot when we have a good relationship with, with the creatives or designers out of agency so we kind of use you guys to like level ourselves up <laughs> as much as possible um, so that like we've had some really you know positive relationships um, from that like osmosis together and it's like it's great like I think they, it's no, they can definitely coexist there was this whole tension like over the few years where everyone was trying to build their own um, right. internal teams and they would like, oh, we'll give you this, and then we really cage about it. Now everyone's like, yeah, we don't want to have a team and just like, use them once a month, da-da-da. So it's mm. a more um, open uh, like, you know, kind of relationship these days, which seems to be invigorating, which is cool. Okay.
1: So I guess I wanted to come back to that experimental thing because out of those experiments, it seems like you get lo- lots and lots of data. What, what do you do with all that? Justify the next sale, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or, or no, like or also like design and ch- change and improve the experience. Like yeah, okay. learn what did they do, what didn't they do, why they didn't. So like the experience you guys had, yeah. um, the whole time you're being tracked, like where you're looking, where you're walking. So then you can aggregate that later on and say, all right, most people look at this first. It's just A-B testing like on a kind of experiential level. What's interesting is when clients take that data and use that as insights uh, afterwards, uh, and that's a big thing out of it. Like,
1: because um, I think that's where I was sort of going: is is do the clients then use that as kind of proof of concept, so then they can get more VR stuff done? Or yeah,
2: like I think the difficulty with our space is where we've kind of been uh, limited somewhat to. You know, marketing activate like marketing events and things like that where it's like they'll only it'll have a short lifespan and stuff like that. Shock, shock and all, shock and awe. But some great projects we've worked on are when you're creating like a piece of IP or tools right. or a product for a client, and that's definitely um insightful. So a great one is um Acom, which is a civil engineering firm. Uh they're like we found out after working like the, their biggest client is like the US government. It was like, wow. whoa. <laughs> anyway, they have this um they have this Excel spreadsheet which like rules the world. So like only like 3 or 4 people globally know how their spreadsheet works and what you've, essentially You've
1: created a VR experience for this? No, it
2: wasn't VR. It's not as cool <laughs> talking to them about it, but what we did do is essentially what this spreadsheet does is it helps you plan and build cities. What we did was we took that model and say, okay, um how do you say, how do you show people that traffic policy or layout of a city can change traffic? Inherently, right? Everyone's got traffic, sick of
0: parking stuff. That, yeah. So literally, pretty complex. Yeah, it's heaps complex, right?
2: Like, and this giant spreadsheet, which is their major IP, was like how they used to do it. Wow. So what we like, what we're able to work with them to do is to okay, create like almost like a SimCity game based on their data and then allow people the ability to change their own cities. Like, okay, I'm gonna change my traffic policy to car share. Oh, it's like and tweak we,
1: the variables. Yeah, oh. tweak the
2: variables. So it's actually a form of like data visualization.
1: Which was the great but, thing about SimCity. Yeah. Because <laughs> you'd be like, I'll clean this up and then something else goes wrong. Yep.
2: And real life insights. But the biggest thing for them out of it is that, okay, they'd spend millions of dollars in stakeholder engagement trying to explain what they're doing, but you can put an actual tool there where people can play with it learn it, and then you can learn from them and saying okay this was actually an outcome that people liked from yeah. playing take that data and, s- and then use that as insights later that is like that is a cool um ability that whole you know using computers as a medium because you get that data and you yeah. can enact on it and inform your creative later on there's that whole other argument though that people watch data way too much and like oh, i want a viral video and it's all about the views yeah. and you're losing the whole like <laughs> point yeah Um, of doing something so it's just just like when you were saying
1: about the vr experience that you kind of know where people will look first and that kind of stuff it's like and it becomes a little bit cookie cutter after a while maybe i guess
2: yeah and you want to be surprised you want to try new things right like otherwise um yeah what's the point
1: (laughs) so you mentioned it just about you know how much does gamification kind of uh influence what what you do in vr i guess or or any interactive
2: Uh, It does a lot. We're a small team, like you've got to leverage off. You don't want to reinvent the wheel every time. Like you see what you know what works, so you want to use those as much as possible. So yeah, definitely like juiciness, gamification, all those kind of principles. You know, you want to build on them and try and add something new to it. Hmm. Um, Did you say juiciness? Juiciness, yeah, juiciness. So (laughs) I guess juiciness is like.
1: I just wrote it down because I haven't heard that before.
2: Oh, really? Okay, cool. Juicy. Oh, so this is something you wish you could explain to a client because you know, if like you had a really simple idea, like you guys probably get a really like um, a really right. elegant logo and show them, was like, whoa, I get it. But if you imagine if you showed someone Pong, and they're yep. just like, oh, it's Pong, but you're like, oh, it's, but it's gonna be juicy. And so that's really hard to explain. So all juiciness is is like you pong the balls going up and down and it'll hit the paddle and then it's like doo doot. But juiciness is like when it hits the paddle, like sparks fly out of it and sound. So oh. it's like it's actually like juicing up that kind of interaction because... Make it pop. Make Sorry. it pop. Because what's pleasurable in interactivity is this idea of agency that you're affecting this Thing you're interacting with so yeah. again back to this wall I touch it and it changes colour you're getting rewarded that conversation is going on so juiciness is about leveraging that as much as possible so is it like cool. in
1: so in Kept there was a lovely experience where you, you you're holding a jar and you catch a, a, like a a light or a glow worm or something like that it's like a Firefly, firefly, maybe something. yeah, that's what yeah. I was trying to go for. Yeah. But the juiciness is when you shake the jar, you can actually feel it hit the sides. Yeah, right.
2: That sure. yeah, or like, and yeah, and we've done a really bad job with that at the moment in terms of that what we planned to do would be great right. it. It, it was good you liked it um, but yeah exactly it like it's a good way to show it I guess and that is so if you're trying to catch the firefly what should happen right currently if you miss it nothing happens right it just kind of floats away but adding that sound of zzzz, so you just miss it and it kind of looks like it goes past you that adds so much more to it right
0: yeah. yeah I like it hit the side of the jar and it made the sound I was like oh hang on yeah I'm onto something here
2: <laughs> and what you can do if you hit the firefly like a baseball bat with like the jar and fling it into the forest like the and that, oh, really? and that thud when it hits a tree like it's always little it's, it's just polish it's yeah. polishing that um, but with interaction you've got to and this is so hard about interactive design in spaces like VR when you have no fourth wall is everything is a possibility so how do you script the interactor right. so like on a website we've got a mouse and keyboard these are how I communicate with My computer, and these are conventions. I click buttons and stuff. But when you're just looking around and you have two hands, it's like I should be able to pick up this grass and rip it up. I should be able to throw this rock. So, like in kept, you're open up in this forest experience. So when we first did our first iterative design, you know, people just want to run off into the forest, (laughs) like. (laughs) So you have to construct this like scene around that people they won't want to mentally do that. They want to be more interested in something else, and that's fascinating creating that and that's like you know game design has been doing this
0: forever not
2: forever 30 years of what we've had game design going for um so yeah it's it's fun figuring that out
0: I had a I had a question okay go for it future of the uh Oh let's, wow! Let's just, do, you're just going to drop that in there? Yeah, and it's not very fair, and I'm really sorry about this question. Um, but <laughs> it's, like, weird, just, there's we, no,
2: it's like no right or wrong answer, right? Like, yeah, well, exactly. You can't stuff this like, up. Yeah. But
0: I mean, like, at a, a guess because you talked about data visualization there, and that's something I never would have thought of at all. Do you see it? Like, obviously, there's areas into entertainment and gaming. Like, that's a clear kind of kind of direction that it could go in. Ex- excluding that kind of area. Like, what other areas do you see do you think you might be working for in the future like
1: is it health is it travel like is it some sort of i don't know well i mean maybe this is a good time to talk about the global bank stuff that you did which is basically vr experience where you're sitting with people from war-torn areas and
2: um i guess yeah i just encapsulate them both um best way to describe where I guess why I think the medium is important or what it can do uh is just to describe the best VR experience I've ever had I guess so um mm. we did um
1: that's a good question that's what we should have asked <laughs> What's best that's VR what yeah, we did ask we let it in yeah, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: funny I went to SIGGRAPH um, um and they had the because VR has actually been around 20 years I didn't even know that wow. um before I didn't yeah and there was this panel of like the first founders of vr and like we've been here first and they all asked him what experience do you want to have and the director of Mower man was there oh wow. that, like, which was amazing and he was like i just want to have sex in vr and this other chick was, was, i wrote
0: down porn <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did write it down
2: and then the other this other um this other one was like okay we want to uh, she's like i want to laugh in vr and another yeah. person was like i want to cry um so you want to have people Like, you want to watch a film, you want to be moved. No one wants to go there. Like, rides only give you so much. Games only give you so much. This is why games need to move on. Uh, or not move on, but why games can be something else as well to culture. So, for Vivid last year, we created an interactive sculpture uh, for Alzheimer's Australia. Because my grandmother has Alzheimer's, so... And it was the second year of doing vivid, and we were trying to like, you know, find an excuse to you know what could we um you know, what's something we could talk about other than just anything? And that was a great match anyway. Uh, when I met um, Alzheimer's Australia to talk about the project, I met them in Melbourne in this like red brick, double red brick building, really unassuming. And I assumed I was just going to sit in this small office and talk about Alzheimer's. But I get there and they're like, come through to our immersion room. I was like, whoa. And then, instead of talking about VR, they just gave me this VR experience. Wow. And so the experience starts with this loud... And if anyone listens in Melbourne, please, I definitely recommend you to go down and check out Alzheimer's Australia Immersion Room. Um, Can you just kind of walk in or... Oh, I don't know. They'll probably hate me, but (laughs) it's all about raising awareness, right? So like... um, We have millions of listeners, so... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There will be swarming. The experience starts out with this loud, incessant banging in your head. Like, it's just really kind of frustrating. And you, the vision comes in and you find yourself in this corridor. And as you look around, it's pretty blurry because you've got cataracts on. And the wallpaper, which is lines, actually kind of looks like it's crawling a little bit with cockroaches. So it's all kind of disorientating. And this sound is like banging through your head. Anyway, as you walk down the corridor, you f- kind of find yourself at three doors and each door is identical so you don't really know which one to go through so you just open one and then it took me over a minute to realize that I was actually in a closet Um, and I was like right, I'm in a closet anyway (laughs) so experience was so frustrating that I didn't even get to finish it I was kind of like okay I just thought it was over track back to whenever I go to visit my grandmother one of the most obviously the most kind of uh, heartbreaking things is that you remember less of her and like you recognize less of her she recognizes less of you But the other thing is just the smell, Mm. like this, this stench, I guess, of like you know, um, self defecation and things like that. Anyway, apparently one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest problems in Alzheimer's care or full time care, is the frustration full time carers get from that patient's not being able to go to the toilet. Right. This whole experience, the whole point of it, is to find the bathroom. Wow. And so you can't find the bathroom because a you might be terrified of it or you just you're so confused you can't find it and i mean the ability to put someone yourself in someone else's shoes and live that experience and yeah. communicate that experience experientially rather than through some abstract language like abstractions is
0: reading it on a website or
2: reading on a website it, yeah. like how do you appreciate that like i said it was so annoying that like i was frustrated like that was the feeling i had mm. that is the power of that medium to communicate experientially and like what is amazing about VR is that we actually respond to it as experience. So I said how, okay, VR has been around for 20 years. The only people that have been using it have been university institutions and high-end corporate. But university institutions have been using it for exposure therapy, right? To like, okay, I'm terrified of spiders. Um, I'll use a VR experience to actually help me uh, like, you know, get over exposure therapy for that. Burn victims. They did uh, the University of Tennessee Um, This guy called Captain Samuel Brown was a U.S. Marine, suffered burns to 30% of his body. Um, And the problem with burn victims is you often relive the pain with your skin graft treatments afterwards. Right. So, they did an MRI scan of his response to pain during these treatments. Then they put him in this VR experience called Snow World while he was having, um, you know, his skin graft treatments. Oh, wow. And the MRI scan actually showed that he had a 50%, you know, reduced response to pain. so our bodies have this real like it's just like you guys felt the vertigo when you're looking over the top Mm. of that thing it's amazing how you can the immersion can be used to change things Mm. um like that and that's where i guess the thinking came from with the world bank series and the world bank one was hilarious because the client our key contact with the client literally this was his first call he's like i don't want to do vr i think it's stupid (laughs) And he's like, but my boss wants to do VR. Wow. And then he's like, and I was like, all right, cool, man. We should. You realize
0: you're talking to a guy that does VR for a living, right? <laughs> yeah, well,
2: like, it's one of what we do. And, like, and I'll, I'll tell you what, man, you've got to be honest. Like, there's definitely things VR is crap for, or like 360 video sure. is crap at. Like, you, and you have to be honest with them because, like, it's, you're going to just, they're going to try it and go, yeah, this is terrible later, and you've got to wear the egg on your face. But, yeah, so that was his whole thing. It was like, I didn't see the point of this. He'd seen clouds of assidure and stuff like that, but he wasn't really sure of the application. And the best thing about it now is he is literally our biggest advocate. He's in Bougainville at the moment actually taking our films back to the communities oh, we went wow. for. And he's right there today, I think, he was I tweeting about it. it.
1: That would be really weird for them, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, well, and you know what's really weird? We're talking about users and, um, you know, what they experience. A big conflict we had on this side of the ditch or this, like, you know this side of culture with the films was the length. So the audience for these films was uh, World Bank delegates at their economic forums. So the idea here is that these guys are making some massive policy decisions about funding in the Pacific region. Everyone, you never hear about the Pacific, right? Everything's about, um, you know, there's some massive issues, like geopolitical issues going on yeah. uh, Middle East, Europe and things like that. Yeah. Who gives a crap what's going on in the Pacific? So this was about like, you know, putting Asia Pacific... You know, issues up there, and it was a way to do it. So, the idea was to give these delegates this experience, see if it moved them, um, and go from that. But the problem was they were saying these delegates don't have time between meetings. So, this has to be like four minutes or three minutes. starting oh, wow. I mean, like, wow, how do I tell a story in three minutes in, when you've got to look around this whole 360 environment? But then, when you'd show it to locals, they'd be like, why is it so short? Like, we wanted to see mm. more. Because, um, I
1: mean, that's, I mean, and it is all about that taking that time. Because the one I did was um, where you start off in a boat. And, um, and a little girl's talking to you.
2: Mm, Eventualize, yeah, yeah, she's amazing.
1: And that that was just amazing to kind of just like, you know, look all around, look into the water, just all that kind of stuff. And and you can't, that you have to spend time there.
2: Well, that's the whole point of it, right, is to visit these places and spend time with these people. And that's the power of empathy of that medium. And that's like, Solomon Islands was a whirlwind. Like, look, we literally, I think we had from the time we found out we were going to plan for that shoot we had like two weeks or something Wow! and um, <laughs> yeah it was like real side of your seat stuff but um, there was just so many pinch yourself moments where you're like this was like wow I'm here and then I'm talking to this guy I'm interviewing people that I never would have imagined I ever would have met or have had a life experience and it was just yeah, it was really humbling. Like Everyone always says that about these things, but it really was. Like uh, I will ever, forever be grateful for that project and whatever happens in the future. The fact that whatever steps took to get me to do something like that was really um, – I was lucky.
1: I was hmm. super lucky. Yeah. I just want to ask one more question before we end, and this is about the future. So there's a Red Dwarf book. I think it's the second one called Better Than Life. And it's about a drug, which they take, which is better than life, basically. So you go into this complete world where everything you ever wanted uh, comes true. And I always think about VR, like the future of VR. Like, if it becomes too good, is there a problem that we, you know, like... Asking the real questions. Yeah.
2: Oh, this is the worst question to wrap up, I mean. Because, like, how do you know we're not in a VR experience at the
1: moment? uh, I
0: I use Skynet. Yeah, exactly. Like...
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, I don't think we have to worry about that for many lifetimes to come, I guess. Yeah, like, look, it, it's a just awesome conversation to have because the more you work in new tech, the more you're reminded about what makes humanity unique. Uh-huh. And you always, all human-computer interaction is about bringing it back to the human. So I really don't think we even want that. Like, we say we want it and it's going to be better than life maybe, but I'm not even sure we want that, right. um, which is interesting. Like, we're just we're too screwed up and hard to figure out so yeah it's going to take a long time so yeah
0: I think that's a good place to that's end it that's a great place to end we're all screwed up yeah <laughs> um, so what we usually do at the end of the episode is just kind of go around the table where can people find you if they want to get in touch website
2: yeah um, the website's uh, s1t2.com.au the twitter I think is at s1t2 as yep. well cool um, they're the two main ones there's
1: words. an awesome um, something people should check out you did a um, a talk at pause fest but you wrote a really lovely piece that I think you put on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to try to remember the name of it. Uh, the Fut- Interactive Storytelling. Future of Storytelling. Future, Future of Storytelling, yeah. yeah. Definitely, it's worth reading because it's, it's a really nice piece and it kind of sums up a lot of what you talked about.
2: Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, that, that's on our blog. So, um, yeah, if you check out our website, there is a blog um, which has stuff like that. Cool. There. We'll
0: link straight to the blog uh, in the show notes. Cool. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? Leedsworth on Twitter. Very good. And I'm at Flynn Tracy on everything. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, if you enjoy it and want to support us, you can give us a five-star review in iTunes. Um, thanks to the last couple of people that have done that over the last kind of couple of weeks. It helps out a ton. You can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you.